everyone. Welcome back. In the pilot episode, I talked about the life change that pushed me back to Apple's walled garden, so to speak. So that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit more in this episode. Uh, my two kids are five and ten, and both of them have their own iPads. iPads are great tools for kids their age, whether it be from an entertainment, education, or communication standpoint. That third point is the part that hooked me back in. Seeing as I had a Galaxy S22 Ultra, my means of communication with my kids were a bit limited. They spend a good majority of their time with their mother, and while divorces often can go many different ways, mine went the other way of their mother not exactly making much means for me to communicate with them. Their iPads became such a big part of my ability to do just that because I didn't have to go through anyone else the majority of the time to talk to them. But of course, the means they have to reach me with a Wi-Fi-only iPad are a bit limited. They don't have access to SMS, and I didn't have access to iMessage. I tried a couple different methods to fix it. Uh, we used one which was called an Android app called Blue Bubbles. Uh, this involves setting up a used Mac Mini I purchased on eBay as a server of sorts that would take all the iMessages incoming to it and forward them forward them to the Blue Bubbles app on my phone. It was a great idea in theory, but ended up being riddled with so many bugs and so much instability that I literally just wanted to pull my hair out. And if anything at all happened on that server, as far as like the power or the internet connection at my home, iMessages would no longer be delivered to my Android phone until I could get home and fix the situation. This led to so many missed conversations, not just with my kids, but with other people I tried to use the app with. So next, I tried an alpha version of Sunbird on Android. It basically uses a virtual server to do essentially the same thing as Blue Bubbles, but all of it's maintained by the developer of the app. That sounded like at first it would be a great solution, but I was burned again with bugs and instability that hopefully in their defense for the rest of the Android community can be fixed closer to summertime when the app is supposed to be released publicly. After all, it was just an alpha version and it's not really fair of me to have such high expectations for flawless functionality, but I figured it was worth a shot. So, I halfway bit the bullet and decided that the iPhone 6 that I used with the Mac Mini for the Blue Bubbles app, because I wanted to tie um, my cell phone number to iMessage uh, as far as the contact it would use to send and receive from, I thought that would be a great solution. I could just carry that little guy with me everywhere and have it tethered to the hotspot on my Android phone. That would give me access to FaceTime and iMessage. But it just ended up being very cumbersome because I don't know if you've ever had to carry two separate phones everywhere you go out of fear of missing a message, but it is, it's not a fun place to be. And let's face it, my iPhone 6 is a little bit outdated, a little long in the tooth, okay? It's a lot outdated. Um, and then I also had the constant battery drain on my phone. I mean, my Samsung got great battery life, but when you're running your hotspot, anytime you're not at home, just to provide that other device an internet connection, it really starts to wear down on you and on your battery. 
I should mention that I did find a great iMessage alternative app for kids called Kenzu, I believe is how you would pronounce that. Um, just a bit of a testament to just some of the, the great developers out there overlooking or looking to overcome some of the barriers of communication and aspects of having children that we face in the digital world. Uh, it was it was pretty good. It was it was free, and it allowed us to text and video call back and forth. And I thought that would be a great way to stay on my Android phone. But the biggest issue with that was that my son and I like to play Minecraft and other things online together when we can't hang out in person. And anytime we tried to do a video call in the Kenzu app, we would lose audio and video both once we switched over to the game where FaceTime allows at least audio to continue playing on his iPad and on my Samsung phone while we were playing. There was also the issue of the location tracking that I still was left having to open a web browser, go through authenticating, and access the iCloud website if I wanted to check my kids' locations. All of these weren't just issues with the kids, but my wife, too, has an iPhone, and a lot of the same workarounds had to apply to us and our communication. So, on a nice Saturday afternoon, I said, the heck with it. I told my wife, Sarah, I said, we're going to go down to the AT&T store and just check and see what the options are for trading phones. Of course, I walked out with what I felt was a pretty good deal on an iPhone 14 Pro Max and an Apple Watch Ultra. Um, they were offering a $350 bill credit for, for trading up early. So that worked out to my advantage with the, I believe it's called the AT&T uh, Next Plan, maybe, when you pay an additional $6 a month to be able to upgrade after you've paid off 50% of your device. But anyway... I did have some growing pains moving back to the iPhone. And a lot of that will probably be things I continue to talk about um, in this podcast, along with, you know, news, rumors, and things like that that we're going to discuss. But I consider myself more of a tinkerer, and I like to customize my tech to do exactly what I need it to do. And despite going back and forth over the years between Apple and Google, I've become a lot more invested into the ecosystem of Google than I have Apple. Uh, I made It made me pretty happy to see that even some of the most trivial adjustments were much easier to make with recent updates. Um, even just the ability to use Chrome as my password autofill was a welcome change. I don't remember that happening on the last iPhone because I use Windows PCs a lot. So that's where my life in terms of passwords, has mostly been stored over the years. And it's nice not having to worry when switching between devices whether or not my passwords will be available. I still use the iCloud keychain, but I try not to rely on that just because it's not as easy and open to use that on other platforms. I spent the next few days customizing widgets and all that good stuff. even did some custom icons, which ended up absolutely driving me crazy with the extra animations that it caused. Not just that, but having what appeared to be duplicate task open or apps open in the tasks, task switcher, I, I believe is app switcher maybe is what you'd call it. Um, the ridiculous price of some of the icon app subscriptions, the, the apps that provide the icons, 
was just insane. I mean, some some wanted, you know, twenty dollars a month to have access to icon packs. Uh, on Android, these are a one-time purchase for like usually a dollar forty-nine, and it just drove me crazy. And I ended up settling on the stock icons. It still amazes me how complex iOS has gotten, but there's just so much limitation to customization still. The always-on display implementation is so limited and just feels so far behind many Android phones. Notifications are a bit better, but still somewhat of a mess. I mean, why can I not just... Maybe I'm missing something. When When a notification comes down from the top of my screen and I have an option to long press it and do kind of some stuff with it there or swipe it away, but it doesn't dismiss that notification. If I dismiss a notification on my watch, it doesn't always dismiss on my iPhone. And don't get me started on not being able to see the notification icons in the status bar like you can on an Android phone and having to swipe down from the hardest to reach part of the screen just to see your notifications. And the app library? Terrible. It tries hard to be an app drawer, like on Android, but it's just not there yet. I was desperate enough for an app drawer that I literally organized every single app in alphabetical order into a folder and placed it on my dock. Which, by the way, I still wish there was a way to disable that dock entirely. But it isn't all bad. Aside from above, or the above, as well as some app layouts making no sense compared to Android versions and there being no universal back gesture, things can be seen really good on this side. With WWDC coming up in June... I find myself back in that spot of waiting anxiously to see just how gracious Apple will be in giving us more choices and more ability to tailor our phones to our preference. The Control Center is rumored to be getting a pretty substantial update for the first time since like 2017 when iOS 11 was introduced. Man, that'd be such a welcome change. I, I literally dread the thought of having to open up the Control Center to do anything. Some of the tasks there take about as many steps as literally just opening the settings app in the first place. Connected to a different Bluetooth device recently? Yeah. The dynamic island is supposedly going to become more useful too. I'm not sure how much more they're willing to do with it, but it's definitely one of my favorite features of the new iPhones, so I hope it'll be worth the wait. Notification indicators, maybe? Anyone? Active widgets. Oh, how I hope this is true. I have been a big-time user of widgets on Android, and while generally speaking, they tend to look better on iOS, they just are so freaking limited in their functionality. Right now, they are just more of a quick reference for information. But they really just don't offer anything more than that, for the most part. And I really hope part of the widget overhaul will be to allow widgets to be transparent without having to use workarounds to achieve it. Please. I'm asking. I'm begging. Lock screen improvements are supposed to be another rumored feature. The focus seems to be on more customization, and I hope this holds true. While Android, for some crazy reason, ditched lock screen widgets years ago, 
Apple thankfully has brought them back from the dead. And I'm excited to see what types of improvement that we may get from them. I also would love to see the notifications on lock screen get a true revamp as well, especially in the always-on display. Notifications are still just terrible in iOS. I'm sorry, they are. I'm loving being back on iOS, but notifications are one of the hardest things to get over. So, please, some changes. The app library folders may be getting the ability to have their names changed, which is really a feature that should have been there since day one. Apple, come on, customization. It, it, it's not taboo. I'd love to see it go further than that, and I'd love to see just a pure vertical scrolling listing of all apps installed, but instead of the current one app per line that takes you know, two to three motions to even get to in the first place, and then it's partially blocked by the keyboard. Just just give us the style of an Android launcher where you have multiple rows of and columns of app icons to quickly get to what you want. We might also get sideloading and alternative app stores, but I keep hearing in the news this is mainly only possible in the regions or countries where it's been battled over in court and kind of becoming a requirement. And what could offer us a better selection of apps that would not normally be allowed, I'm sure Apple will lock this down so hard. I doubt it will open up much in the way of customization or anything useful. I would say, if anything, they'll probably severely limit the interaction with the underlying system of the phone. I'm also looking forward to browsers possibly getting the ability to be based upon their own rendering engines and not forced to use WebKit. As someone who weirdly uses Chrome on their Apple devices, I can't help but feel like the browser's held back a bit by this limitation. Apple's very secretive, even today, so who really knows what we'll actually see at WWDC? Uh, all we can hope to do is keep following the leaks and rumors in the meantime. I really hope Siri sees a lot of improvement, though. It's pretty worrying that we've heard nothing in the rumors about it. Apple's digital assistant just lags so far behind the likes of Alexa and the Google assistant. I mean, we can use other assistants on our iPhone or iPad, but the lockdown nature of iOS really prevents us from doing much with them, especially since we can't change the default assistant. Well, that pretty much wraps up the show for today. I still haven't nailed down exactly what format I want to use for the show yet, so I'm definitely open to suggestions and feedback. I hope you'll keep coming back and leave a review and subscribe. I want to try probably to stay on a weekly basis with releases. Uh, just depends on, on how time allows and, and what's really going on out there um, in the tech world. Like I said, I do have a wife. I do have two kids. I do work a full-time job, 12-hour uh, shifts. So sometimes it can be a little hard. But I'll always do my best to provide you guys some great content. I hope you have a great day, and I hope to see you back soon.